1 Corinthians chapter 11. I do appreciate those who come in. How many of you got physical Bibles you came to church with? Hold it up. Hold it up. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Uh, and people, how many of you brought notebooks to church? Anybody bring a notebook? Okay, a few of you. Praise God. You guys should come sit in the front row. Okay. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, uh, this is what it says. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, watch this, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Oh, what's that about? Well, we'll talk about it. Go back one chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 16. This is really the foundation. I'm in the third part of this series we've been doing on communion. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says this, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? Everyone say communion. communion. The communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break, is it not the communion, say it again, communion, of the body of Christ. Wow, we want to have communion today with Jesus. And so let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word. Um, I need an anointing. I believe you need an anointing if we're going to receive all the Lord has for us. So can we just stir ourselves in our faith? Come on, I need you to help me pray this morning. If you have the liberty, I want you to pray with your spirit. I want you to pray for the Holy Ghost to come and to breathe on his word as we open it together. So Lord, we just do. We come before you right now. Come on, lift your voice. And we ask you, Jesus, for a mighty anointing upon our lives as we open your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray, God, any word or wisdom of man would fall to the ground, but if it's you, if it's your spirit, if it's your eternal truth, may it pierce and penetrate hearts. May it come alive in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, now I take authority over every demonic power, that which would seek to distract, to divide, to div uh, confuse or uproot your word as it comes forward. Jesus, I pray for liberty in receiving your word today. Bless this time as we open your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This series, oh my goodness, has been so much fun for me. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're just coming into the first or second week uh, of this, go back and listen. I gave some stern warnings echoing what the Bible says. Uh, uh, friend, you don't want to eat this communion and it kill you. Amen. Um, and so there's warnings in Scripture about that. Don't take this the wrong way. There's power in this uh, to bless you and to do harm. And I want it to be a blessing to you. And so um, we talked in the last number of weeks about uh, that word communion. It's the Greek word koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. koinonia. Have you ever heard that word before? I grew up with a koinonia church right down the road from me. And it was a stale religious church. And so I never thought much of it. But uh, 
as you understand the meaning of koinonia, and it's the word that the Bible uses to talk about communion, is the word the Bible uses to talk about fellowship we have with one another, it's the word the Bible uses to describe marriage in certain contexts. Koinonia is very powerful. And so I've, I've talked a, a number of messages. I, I talked the first week about the union of communion. Everyone say union. Um, my marriage is the best illustration I could give for this. You understand, I have a union with this woman of God sitting on the front row. And for that, I'm very thankful. Now, I have symbols. I have a wedding ring. I've got a marriage license probably in a drawer somewhere. I, you know, I have certain symbols that represent the covenant that I have entered into with this woman of God, Right? And, uh, and that's wonderful. I like. I never take off my ring. Even when I'm like spearfishing and stuff, I keep it even knowing that this could attract a barracuda. But I want to be married even when I'm diving. Hallelujah. And so uh, I always keep my ring on. It's a symbol of my marriage. I also have moments of remembrance. I can get on Facebook or Instagram and I can see pictures of our wedding day 15 years ago. And oh, it's wonderful. I, I get butterflies all over again seeing her in her wedding dress. And uh, I mean, in our first apartment that we had together. And I look back on that and it's some fond memories that I have together. But how many know that, that the symbols and the remembrance is a very small part of what our marriage actually is. If all I have is symbols and all I have is remembrance over this union, koinonia, I'm missing the best part of my marriage. And the best part of my marriage is the fellowship and the interaction and the union that I share with this woman of God every day. The Bible uses the same word to describe communion. And I want to submit to you that communion is more than just a symbol. Communion is more than just remembrance. There is an actual union, a fellowship, a koinonia that the Lord desires. And my concern is that we've, we've, we say, well, we're not Catholic. And so we don't believe in transubstantiation. And that's true. I don't believe in transubstantiation. But my fear is, in a desire to not be Catholic, we've gone so far to the other side and we've stripped it of all power. It's only a symbol. It's only remembrance. You realize the Bible uses the same words to describe worship. Union, koinonia. Uses the same words in prayer, how we have union, koinonia, with God through prayer. And how many of you, how many of you have ever experienced God as we worship? How many of you sensed his presence today? It's wonderful. How many of you have had a moment of prayer, whether with somebody or on your own, where you knew that God met you, God touched you, God healed you, you you've experienced God in the place of prayer? Why? I mean, how many of you, through the preaching of the word, wow, God spoke to me, God changed me, God inspired something. How many of you, through the preaching of the word, you've encountered God? Now, why? Because we approach these different expressions expecting God to encounter us. The Bible says just as much about the communion table. But I would say most of us have never approached the table of communion expecting, I'm going to encounter 
God. God is going to touch me. God is going to heal me. I'm going to have a new revelation. I'm going to go deeper in my relationship with the Lord as I receive the Lord's Supper today. Many of us have an approach, but today we're going to do that. It's going to change. And so last week, oh, man, this was so awesome. We talked about what we share in common. We heard wonderful testimonies, people who had years of depression, suicide, God had set free. It's what he had done through his body. We heard testimonies of individual, one individual who had brain cancer, but the Lord was faithful and has removed that cancer. All of these testimonies are online. Heard testimonies of those who were hopeless that God had saved and brought into hope. God restoring marriages and on and on. And I don't know about you, but I had moments as I was hearing those testimonies where I'm saying, wow, God did that for me too. And it's one of the things, it's the great unifier that Jesus has done a work in all of us. It's the one thing. I'm meeting some of you for the very first time today, but as I look at you and say, wow, Jesus has worked in your life, me too. And it's instant family. Isn't it amazing? I'm so thankful. I, you know, my wife called out a number of guys. I'm so happy to see our YWAM missionaries. But isn't it amazing? You can go anywhere around the world and you have instant family amongst the people of God. What's that about? Well, we have koinonia. We have communion. We have this one thing in common, not only with God, but you have that with God, and we have that with one another. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, today, I want to deal with this idea of partnership. In fact, I've entitled this message, The Commission of Communion. The commission of communion. Did you know that when we come to the Lord and he begins to bless us, that there is a response that's expected from us? Let me say it this way. With every blessing comes a responsibility. Did you know that? Every blessing that you have also has a responsibility. Let me give you an example. It's a blessing for me to be a father. I have two wonderful children, my son and my daughter, Gabriel and Mariah, and they are a blessing. But how many know there are also responsibilities that come upon me as a father to children? They bless me. I'm glad that I have children, but I have to provide for them. I have to care for them. I have to be a priest of the home for them. I have to be an example to them. There are things that are placed upon me because I have the blessing of a family. It's a blessing for you to have a job and to earn a salary or to get a paycheck. But you understand, now you have responsibilities. you got to show up. you got to do your job. you got to be faithful. you got to work hard. There's responsibilities that come with having a job. It's a blessing to own a home, especially in Hawaii. It's a miracle blessing. Hallelujah. But there are responsibilities. Now it's your responsibility to pay your mortgage. It's your responsibility to care for the property and inside of the house. There are responsibilities. And it's the same way with God, whether you know it or not. The Lord blesses us. He pours out. He purchased everything that we would ever need. He's good to us. He shows his favor on us. But he also asks something of us. In fact, to use the Bible word, I would say that with every blessing of the Lord, there also comes a burden. Everybody say burden. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a good word, but it is a Bible word. And let me show you Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 says this, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. 
Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle, I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see right there exactly what I'm talking about. Are you burdened? Are you heavy, weighed down? Do you have no peace or no rest? Come to Jesus. He'll give you rest. He'll give you peace. That's the blessing. Everyone say blessing. Blessing. He'll give you blessing. Did you catch, though? There's a burden in there as well. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I don't want you to hear me wrong. Yes, there's a burden that the Lord will put upon you. But it's not a strenuous thing. It will not rob you of rest. It will not rob you of peace. It is a blessing to carry the burden of the Lord. But there is a burden. There are so many that I meet. I want Jesus, my Savior. I want him to cleanse me of my sin. I want the hope of heaven. But the idea that, oh, he's my Lord and my master and my will is submitted to him. And I, uh, it's not my will any longer. It's not, uh, I need to die to myself. I mean, these are things that are not pleasant to think about. Take up my cross and follow you. What's that about? There's a burden. He asks something of us. Now, Jesus models this perfectly when he instituted the Lord's Supper. In fact, the very first thing that Jesus does is they gather around the table. You can read the accounts on your own time. Matthew 26 and John 13, both chapters dedicated to this new covenant and this agreement through the communion that Jesus is expressing and teaching. And we see what Jesus does. He does something so radical. As they come into that meal, you understand the first thing that Jesus does before they exchange, before he shares bread, before they pass a cup, Jesus takes and puts on himself a garment of the lowest servant that you could have in that day and age. He wraps himself in a garment and he kneels down on his feet and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, you may think that you understand. You know, oh, Pastor, I went to a foot washing chair. You don't understand what this was all about. You may think you know you don't understand the weight of it. I mean, you imagine that day where everybody's walking around in sandals and slippers. You've got animals and their droppings that are dropping in that dirt road and you're walking down that and you're walking day and night and you come into a meal that's a dirty foot friend I mean I took a shower this morning before I put on my nice shoe and my clean sock I've been now going at it for I don't know how many hours since I woke up this morning my foot has sweat a little bit but it's nowhere near what Jesus was washing that day are you hearing me and can I just Some of you think you know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, this was not just an illustration. It was not just an example of servanthood. Jesus was really serving these disciples. 
In fact, within 24 hours, he would be betrayed. He would be falsely accused. It would ultimately lead to the cross where he would lay down his life. So when Jesus was kneeling down and serving his disciples, it was not just, hey, I'm going to teach you boys something. No, he was saying, you are worthy of me serving you and washing the dirt off of your feet, but you're worth so much more than that. I am going to lay down my life for you. Peter, you're going to deny me, but you are worth me dying for. Thomas, you're going to question whether or not I'm really going to accomplish the work and rise from the dead, but you are worth dying for. He washed Judas' feet. He really was serving. He really was serving. You know what's mind-boggling to me? You know what Jesus is doing right now? Jesus has been victorious over hell, death, and the grave. He's ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. But can I tell you what Jesus is not doing? Jesus is not up there basking in his glory. Come on, angels. Come on, elders. Worship me. I have overcome. I am the lamb that was slain. He's not doing that. He's not doing that. He's doing a few things right now. And this is crazy. This is crazy, absolutely insane. What kind of Savior do we serve? Oh, my goodness. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34 says, Who will condemn us? No one. Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. Do do you hear the emphasis here? He died for us and he was raised to life for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, he, he was, he's done these things. And he is seating, sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Watch this. Pleading for us. Another translation says making intercession for us. So listen, Jesus isn't just like hanging out in his victory right now. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is making intercession for you. He didn't stop serving when he washed feet and died on the cross and rose from the dead. Now it's over. No, no, no. Right now, he's serving you. Every time you begin to pray, you get a burden. God, my brother needs to return to you. He's backslidden. He's away from you. Do you understand Jesus is praying for the same thing? Every time I feel the weight of this growing ministry, like, God, what do we do with the harvest? Where do we go? There's nowhere big enough for us. Do you understand when I go to him in prayer, he's praying about it too? Every time we cry out for revival, Lord, pour out your spirit in historic revival. I just picture Jesus standing right next to his father, tugging on his robe, saying, yeah, father, let's do it. One more great revival before we take them home. I mean, I picture... He's praying. He's serving. He's still doing this. Oh, my goodness. That's not all. That's not all. Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, John the Baptist. Oh, it's one of my favorite verses. He says, listen, you guys are impressed with the way I baptize with water, but there's one who's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I baptize some people. I take people. I dunk them in water. Hallelujah. I've done that to some of you guys sitting here today. I love to baptize people. But did you know, think about this, 
when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, when the anointing came upon you, I don't care who laid hands on you. Maybe you got filled in the Holy Ghost when somebody in this church prayed for you. I didn't baptize you in the Holy Ghost. That prayer worker didn't baptize you. Maybe you were in a Benny Hinn meeting. He prayed for you. You prayed in tongues for the first time in your life. Benny Hinn didn't baptize you in the Holy Ghost, friend. No man baptizes with the Holy Ghost in fire. Only one man, Jesus himself. Did you know when you were immersed into the Holy Spirit and when you came out in the power of the Spirit, it was Jesus himself who baptized you. Wow. He's still serving. He's still serving. When we feel the Holy Ghost sweep into our meetings and begin to move in our midst, it's because Jesus wills that that happens. He's active. He's participating. If, I, if you get anything out of this series, you want to know what drew me? I grew up in, in the Baptist church. I was actually baptized Catholic. But what drew me to the spirit-filled expressions of the body of Christ was the fact that it's not just what he did 2,000 years ago on a cross, but it was about what he's doing right now. Yes, I remember 2,000 years ago he washed feet and he died on a cross and he rose again and he's coming back one day. But I recognize that today, right now, there's things in his heart he's praying for, and I want to pray with him. He has a yearning to see his spirit poured out, and he wants to baptize the body. The Bible says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I don't know about you, friend, but I don't see the Holy Ghost upon all flesh yet. That means Jesus is still working. That means he's still working. I'm getting too excited about this. You know what else Jesus is doing? John chapter 14 and verse 3. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is crazy. Jesus, Jesus is still a carpenter, you know that. He's still building houses in heaven. I mean, maybe he's got the angels doing work and he's just bossing Gabriel around. I don't know. But he is preparing a place for us. Remember my wife and I, the first church that we pastored, they had a parsonage, brand new. And I remember one of the first nights that we were laying in that parsonage, laying there, my wife and I had this discussion like, wow, God, you put it in the hearts of the leadership of this church years before we ever got here to build a house that we're now living in. Like God was thinking about me and my small family. Both my kids were born and raised in that house for the first seven years. God was thinking about us while I was still in Bible school. Like years before that church was even on my radar, God was preparing a place for me. Do you ever think? Think about this. God's doing the same thing for you right now. Like some of you today, you're walking in like, God, only you could have orchestrated this. Some of you are experiencing it in your school of ministry. Some of you are living it out. You came here and God opened the door for this business. He opened the door for this home. He, he orchestrated my relationships. And, and you see that God has been working on your behalf way before any of this stuff was on your radar. Does that ever trip you out? You ought to think about that from time to time. Right now. God is preparing a home for you. 
I believe that there's mansions. He said, if there were not mansions, I would have told you. He told his disciples that. There are mansions in it. There's a mansion for you if you make it to heaven, friend. And Jesus is up there bossing people around. Not, you know, Ricky likes this kind of flower bed and not that one. So you guys need to change this up. You know what I'm talking about. Jesus is serving you right now. He's blessing you right now. But with the blessing of the Lord comes what? Responsibility, burden. So what is the burden? Matthew 28. Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. I am with you always. Friend, you know what the difference is between a mission and a commission? A mission is, Makani, hey, uh, we've got a lady in the church who's getting ready to move. I need you to go over there, help load her stuff in the truck, get her into the new house, single mom. All right, you go take care of that. Bring some guys along with you. That's fine. That's a mission. I send him to accomplish a task that I have given him. A commission is different. It's Makani. We got a single mom in the church. She's getting ready to move, and we're going to help her move. I'm going to go with you. We're going to pack up the boxes. We're going we're gonna to get her moved in, settled into our new house. I'm going with you. That's the difference. Every one of us, you understand, when you came into the body of Christ, into his blessings, into his salvation, yes, he's showering you with his goodness. He's showering you with his love and his kindness. But he's asking something of you. If you're going to remain in me, I'm working, friend. This is what Jesus is telling us. He's still working. He's still serving. He's still doing. And if you want to remain in him, you got to get to work. We got to start doing. We got to start serving. We need to be about his business and what he is doing. That's what commission is, friend. And this is why you'll see this in, in the communion. Oh, my goodness. Did you see this? Every time you take and eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. You understand, this right here is a perfect picture of what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing. You may have preferences. Like, I don't know about you. Um, I prefer to listen to old-time revivalists. Like, I'll, I'll pull up Leonard Ravenhill. I'll listen to A.A. A. Allen. I'll, I'll pull up. I like these old black and white things where you're seeing. Uh, I was watching William Brenham and his crazy words of knowledge this last week. I'm like, wow. God, I want that. I want you to do that here. I want, I want to do that. I'm watching this thing. It's getting me fired up. The thing is, I'm like, I'm watching David Wilkerson and David, Leonard Ravenhill. You guys know these guys? They're the kind of people you listen to, and boy, you can feel like junk after you listen to them for a while. They are going to call you to repentance every single time you hear them. And I don't know about you, I kind of like that. I chose to go to Steve Hill's church, Steve Hill, Brownsville Reviver, calling sinners to repentance every single service. And I loved it. 
I loved it because I felt like a sinner that needed to get right. I checked myself every time I went in. He'd have these eyes of fire skin in the crowd. It was freaky, man. But I loved it. I was on fire for God. Kept me right with the Lord. And as a drug-addicted heathen coming out of a world of immorality, I needed somebody to call me out on my sin. The reason your pastor has integrity today is because I had someone get in my face. Are you living holy? You wouldn't lie to that man of God. <laughs> I got stories, guys. I, got, I have stories I could tell you. You think that I'm mean? Go listen to some of these old school revivalists. Some of you are like, Pastor Jacob, I don't like that. I need to be encouraged when I go to church. I want to feel good when I go to church. And uh, listen, I, I, I agree with you. Now, listen, the way you're going to feel good is knowing that you're right with God. So sometimes you just got, you got to deal with your sin before, you, before you're going to feel good. But I, I agree. There needs to be encouragement. So sometimes I've been spending too long listening to, you know, <laughs> I don't know you guys ever listen to Paul Washer? I listen to all kinds of, he's like, Paul Washer, why don't you ever smile? Oh, what's there to be happy about when people are going to hell? I'm like, geez, okay, man, like, come on, like, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, anyway, but I find myself, I'll get in that, and if I find myself I'm grumpy in my preaching, I need to listen to Joel Osteen. I need to just smile in the mirror, you know, get my Listerine whitening strips, and, uh, you know, he's got, like, that model smile. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and you need that. But here's what I love. Here's what I love. I'm, I'm kidding, and I don't really care what you think about Joel, you like him or not, or Wilkerson. You better like Wilkerson. He's my hero. But um, communion, it causes all of us to take an honest look at who Jesus is and what he has done. In spite of what your preferences may be, I like the love message. I like the strong, corrective messages. When we look at Jesus and what he has accomplished, it makes us all take an honest look. Why was his body broken? Why did he shed his blood? What does that mean for me? What was the judgment that he bore? What is the victory that he's in? I'm telling you, it declares the gospel of Jesus, the Bible says, until he returns. Now, here's what's my favorite part about this. Worship team, would you come? I'm, I'm coming to a close. When we receive... The Lord's Supper. In fact, ushers, I would like you to help me pass this around right now. And we're going to pass this because the Bible actually talks about the passing of peace. It's what we share one with another. So it's koinonia with God, but it's also koinonia one with another. Our ushers are going to come. You're going to pass that back and forth. Take one and I'll, I'll walk us through instruction. We'll share together in a moment. You want to know what I like about one of the things I like about communion? It's real. It's real. I'm holding a real piece of unleavened bread in my hands right now. It's real. And Jesus died for real. His real body was broken. His real body was abused. His real body was given for me and for you. 
It's real. And in a moment, we're going to break this and we're going to eat this. And this bread is physically going to go into your physical body. And it serves as a reminder. Listen, you've been commissioned. Go. Make disciples. Baptize. Teach what I taught you. And I am with you. As real as this is coming into your body, that's how real Jesus is with you. Every time I pray for somebody in these altars, I'm not leaning on a powerful anointing that Pastor Jacob walks in. I pray with confidence and assurance, yes, I'm anointed, I know that. I have the Holy Ghost, I know that. But I walk with the assurance that Jesus is praying with me. And Jesus is praying through me. When I preach the word, I don't just like, here's clever ideas that I came up. I stand up here with a conviction that God himself is speaking. He's with me. Do you realize? Let me read to you one other verse and we're going to share this together. 2 Corinthians 5.19 God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. That's the blessing. He gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. That's burden. That's responsibility. Now you're Christ's ambassadors. So yes, you were forgiven. You were reconciled. But now you have a job. You're an ambassador. Now watch this next line. Can we get that on the screen? 2 Corinthians 5, uh, I believe verse 20. Look at what it says. I want you to see this. Christ's ambassador, 2 Corinthians 5. Watch this. We are Christ's ambassadors. Now watch what he says. God is making his appeal through us. Do you realize when you open your mouth as an ambassador for Jesus Christ, it's not just you and your words and your ideas. God himself is making his appeal through you. This will change the way you pray. It will change the way you preach. It will change the way you witness when you understand, Jesus, you are with me. You haven't just told me, go, and I'm coming back sometime. No, Jesus, you are with me. You are in me. You are pleading through me. You are making intercession for and through me. Oh, my goodness, God. You realize Jesus is still Emmanuel. He is still God with us. That has not changed. Oh my goodness. Hold this bread reverently in your hand. On the night Jesus was betrayed, the Bible says that he took the bread and he broke it. Break that bread. Represents the brokenness of his body. He distributed it to his disciples, his friends. And he said, this is my body. I'm doing something now. Do this in remembrance of me. He did it and he's doing it.
In a moment, we're going to take this bread and this real physical bread is going to come into your physical body. And it's a picture that He is with us. Jesus, bless this bread as we take it. It is your body given for us. Bless it now in Jesus' name. You may take the bread. Take and peel back this second layer. reveals the cup, the juice. And one thing that I did notice as you read the account in the Last Supper, Jesus allowed Judas to share the bread, but he did not enter into covenant with him. You'll notice that he exposed the betrayal of Judas before he gave the cup of his covenant. We're not going to take this in an unworthy manner today. If there's sin in your heart, if there's betrayal in your heart, we're going to ask the Lord to cleanse us, to forgive us and wash us. We get to koinonia. We have fellowship in union with his precious blood that cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Can I just ask you to pray right out loud with me? We're going to ask him to cleanse us and to forgive us. Would you pray out loud with me? Dear Jesus, I come to you acknowledging my sin. And I ask you, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Pure by your blood. I give you my life. My sin my brokenness, all of my faults, all my failure. Thank you for taking them upon yourself and giving me your perfect life, your sinless life, your righteousness. Clothe me now in new garments washed in your blood. Thank you for being my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my very best friend. I give myself to you. All that I am for you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I ask you to bless this cup as we receive it. It is the cup of a new covenant confirmed by the shedding of your blood. Thank you for making covenant with us. Bless it as we receive it now in Jesus' name. You may take the cup.